0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. We are continuing with our series of the pastoral epistles and have been going through the book of 1 Timothy. We've gone through the book of Titus and now we find ourselves towards the middle of the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. As we've been going through the book of 2 Timothy, we understand the context that the apostle Paul is in prison. The apostle Paul knows that he's not getting out of prison, but yet he's writing to his son of the faith, Timothy, to encourage Timothy to continue on, to remain faithful, not to be discouraged with the things that are going on, but to be able to trust God in the midst of all the circumstances that the apostle Paul is going through. And now we find ourselves, as we continue with this idea, in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2, and if you don't mind, let's pick it up in verse number 6. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, in verse number 6, the Word of God says this, "...the husbandmen that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits." Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find about God in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2? The book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, and notice the phrase, He abideth faithful. He abideth faithful. And with the Lord's help, we want to talk about the faithfulness of God. He abideth faithful faithful. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we talk about your faithfulness and whom you are, I'm asking that we would learn more about you that we would understand more about you, and then our knowledge of you would help us to fall more in love with you, that it would help us to trust you more, depend upon you, knowing that you will never let us down, that you will always abide faithful. I'm asking that you would just help as we describe the attributes of you, that you would show yourself in a special way this morning. Again, I know I don't have any power of myself. I'm under the weather, I'm ill, I'm physically drained, I'm spiritually depleted. But I could trust you to be faithful, that you are able just to be a blessing to your folks. And in the places that I cannot, I'm asking that you would do so. Fill me with your precious spirit as I surrender myself to you. That you would show yourself faithful even this morning and that we would fall in love with you. Thank you that you are trustworthy and that, we, that you are great that you are wonderful. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we talk about the attributes of God, we're speaking about different aspects of God that are true. For example, we talk about the holiness of God. That God above all things is holy, holy, holy. The Bible says in the book of 1 John that God is love. Those are some of the attributes of God. We know the Bible says that He is omniscient. That means that He ha- knows, that He sees everything at once. He's omnipresent, He is everywhere at once, He is omnipotent, He has all power. That there's different attributes of God that are true, that describe who God is. And that when you study these different attributes of God, that help us, that helps us to understand a little bit more about the wonderful God that we serve, especially since God is so big and that He is so mighty. And there's nothing my God that cannot do. God can do so many wonderful things that He is able. Well, the attribute of God that we find in this context here is that God is faithful. That God is faithful. He is consistent. He never wavers. He's always going to do what he said he was going to do. No matter what our response is, God is going to keep his word. No matter what happens, God is always going to be faithful. You know, sometimes we need to define our word faithful because we sometimes say, oh, sure, so-and-so is faithful. But is that what we mean by it? For example, if somebody shows up to church, oh, every once in a while, do we call them faithful? Is that the definition of faithful? Well, maybe I could try it like this. What if I went to my wife and my beautiful bride of 16 years, and I looked at her and said, honey, I've got great news. I want to let you know that I've been 99% faithful. You think that's news that she wants to hear? You know what she expects out of me? She expects 100% faithfulness. That's the type of faithfulness that she expects from me. And that's the type of faithfulness that we'd expect from God. Is that it doesn't waver in and out. It's not like, well, he's mostly consistent. He is always consistent. He is always faithful. He is nothing but faithful. If you could cut God open and take a cross-section of God, you could find faithfulness that runs all the way through him. He is always faithful. And because he's always faithful, that means we could depend upon him no matter what. Do you know that you could depend on God when you're feeling good? You could depend on God when you're not feeling good. You could depend upon God when things are not going your way. You could depend upon God when circumstances at work seem to be going against you. You could depend upon God when you make a bad mistake. God is always faithful. We can always depend upon him. There's never a time where you cannot depend upon God. He is nothing but faithful. He abideth faithful. No matter what. In fact, we may say it this way. Aren't you glad that God is not as faithful to us as we're faithful to him? We let God down all the time. Aren't you glad his faithfulness is not dependent on us being faithful? Aren't you glad that his faithfulness is not dependent upon our obedience? Aren't you glad that his faithfulness is not dependent upon whether we're happy or joyful or peaceful all the time? God is always faithful, always faithful. Now, the apostle Paul is taking time to talk about the faithfulness of God to Timothy to try to encourage Timothy. Timothy, I may be in jail. I may be in prison. I may be going to the executioner soon, but God is still faithful. And you can still trust in Him. No matter what the circumstances. You know circumstances may turn sideways in a way that you weren't expecting. But God is still faithful. God is still trustworthy no matter what. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to walk through the passage and I'd like to show you some different things that God is faithful in. That God remains faithful no matter these different things. The first thing I'd like to show you in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 2 is that first of all, Christ remains faithful while we labor. Christ remains faithful while we labor. We labor. Notice with me in verse number six: the husbandman that laboreth must first must be first partaker of the fruits. Now it's talking here, the husbandman is what we would know as a farmer. And remember that earlier in this passage, the apostle Paul is given several different illustrations for Timothy. He talked about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He talked about that a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Or to endure hardness as a good soldier, Jesus Christ. We talked about that the other day. That it doesn't matter what hardship a soldier goes through, he has to remain on his post. He needs to do what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to continue. It goes on and it talks about that if a man strive for the masteries. Here it's talking about the idea of a kind of a boxing contest. And uh, what they did in the old Roman world, the Greek world, is boxing was not nice little soft gloves, but it was more raw gloves that had like metal uh, stuff inside of it. So when you hit someone, it hit them hard. And you're supposed to get in the ring and you're supposed to go several rounds and keep going and be faithful even though it goes on. Those are some hard things. Being a soldier is not always easy. Being a prize fighter and the training and getting into it, to strive for the masteries, to be a fighter, that's hard work. You know something else that's a hard work? Being a farmer. Think of all the toil and labor that they put into it. Think about a farmer, that a farmer has endless chores and long hours. I had someone not too long ago, I was talking to them, and they were going <coughs> I, uh, how they needed some help. And I said, well, how about a uh, job? Are you getting a job in the, in, the for, in the foreseeable future? Well, I don't know if uh, there's much I can do. But you know what? If I found a farm, I could work on a farm. I think I could manage that. I was thinking, you know how hard a farm is? I mean, you don't know hard work until you spent a, a summer baling hay. You know how much hard work it is to be a farmer? The cows need to be milked. And it doesn't matter what the weather is, the cows need to be milked. It doesn't matter what happens, the chickens need to be fed. Those things have to be done. Rain, shine, snow, sleet, hail, those things have to be done. But just farming is hard work. You have to till the ground. Now, of course, we have modern machinery which helps out some. But still, it's long hours. You know, a farmer doesn't wake up at noon and say, I think I'm going to get to work. They have to get to work early in the morning. And they have to till the ground. Uh, You think about back in these days, they didn't even have a steel plow. That's more of a modern invention. But they had to get a mule and they had to have something to till the ground and and, and to move the earth. That's hard work. Even having the steel plows, those who were sharecroppers back in the early part of the 1900s would talk about how their hands were always bleeding and splintered, just plowing the ground. That's a lot of hard work. Then after you plow the ground, you have to plant the seed. And you have to make sure the seed gets in the right spot. And then you have to cover it up. And then after that, you have the weeding to do. That's a never-ending chore, is weeding. Those plants will always get into it. And you can't allow the the other grass to grow wild because it will choke out the crop that you're trying to get. And that's a constant thing. It has to be done. You have to be waiting for this rain to, to come down. Those are a lot of hours. And then harvest comes. Well, you got the plants. What are you going to do for it? You have to go out there and harvest them. And you have to do the toil. And then you have to process it. That is a lot of hard work. And remember, the apostle Paul is telling Timothy to continue. And he's using the idea of farming. Hey, just like a farmer, that's a lot of hard work. And the chores never stop. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And you have to continue to work. Because if you do, if you remain faithful, you get a harvest. And when you get a harvest, you get to enjoy the first fruits of it. It will be worth it all if you continue to labor, if you could continue to work, it will be worth it all to start seeing some of that harvest come up because God is faithful. He is faithful to allow us to enjoy the harvest. He is faithful to work with us while we labor to see the other side of it. It will be worth it all. There's never a time up in the other side of glory where someone will say, you know what? I regret ever serving God. It was a waste of my time. It's never a wasted time to serve God. He was always going to be faithful in the labor that you give him. The work that you have. That Christ will remain faithful as we labor for him. It will be worth it after the labor is over and we see the harvest. Oh, what a wonderful God. Not only do we see that Christ remains faithful while we labor... We also understand that Christ remains faithful when we consider our training. Christ remains faithful when we consider our training. Notice with me in verse number 7. Consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now the Apostle Paul has followed his previous instructions with a plea to consider these things. Timothy, I want you to think about what I just taught you. I want you to think about enduring hardness as a good soldier. I want you to think about all the things that I've invested you in the past. And I want you to consider this and that the Lord will remain faithful that as you consider this, he'll give you understanding. Do you know that there's sometimes that you could be taught something, but understanding doesn't come until you apply it? That's how the Bible works, that you commit your ways unto God and he will give you understanding that occurs over and over, that principle in the Bible. There are some things that you will not understand until you obey, until you consider it, until you uh, follow through with the things going on. And then the light bulbs come on and say, I get it, I get it. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I don't just want you to take what I taught you and just put it away somewhere. I want you to consider it. I want you to obey it. And God will be faithful to give you understanding. I want you to think about Timothy. Not too many people had the opportunity to be discipled by the greatest of the apostles. Can you imagine what it would be like to have the apostle Paul as your discipler? To be able to teach you all these things God has been working with him and revealing to him. And that Timothy wasn't to squander the teaching and the investment that Paul placed into Timothy. As Timothy considered these things, God would grant him understanding in all that Paul had taught him, especially dealing with the previous verses of endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, as dealing with verse number two, that the things that you've heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit those to faithful men who shall teach others also. Timothy, I want you to put these into practice. I want you to consider these things and God will give you an understanding as you apply them that you go, I understand now. God is faithful to give us understanding as we're obedient to him. As we go through these things, God will be faithful. What a great privilege it is to be somewhere that opens up the Bible. You know, there's very few places nowadays that even call themselves a Baptist church that teach the Bible faithfully. They may use the word of God and they may sprinkle it in their messages, but very few have the privilege of having a good Bible teaching church to go to. Well, because you have that that, um, privilege, you also have a great responsibility. What are you doing with what you're taught? What are you doing with the knowledge that you have? What are you doing with the light that God has given to you? That you are to be faithful as you start obeying it, you understand that God had a plan for it. There's a reason why God allowed you to have some of this Bible knowledge, to be in a place. That's what he's getting across to Timothy. Timothy, you have the great privilege of being discipled by Paul. Did you get discipled by Paul just to say, woohoo, I was discipled by Paul and sit on the bench? No, God had a response, had something planned for Timothy and he'll be able to look back and say, I understand all that God was doing. I understand that God had a plan in this, that I consider what Paul taught me and as I'm obedient to it, God grants me understanding that God is faithful for it. Notice if you don't mind something else, that Christ remains faithful while we suffer trouble. Christ remains faithful while we suffer trouble. Notice with me in verse number eight. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein, so because Christ raised from the dead, because Jesus lives, wherein I suffer trouble. (coughs) As an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Paul is saying, Timothy... Jesus Christ died for me. So because of this, I suffer bonds. I'm in prison. I'm treated like a criminal. I'm treated like a prisoner. I'm, I'm in bonds. I'm in chains. I'm in handcuffs now. I'm put in a dungeon. But guess what? Guess what? The word of God is not bound. You know, one thing about the Apostle Paul, he suffered trouble and he was willing to suffer trouble because of it. He was in prison, never expecting to be released, but he could expect one thing, that God would continue his work. That God's work would continue even though Paul was in prison. Why? The word of God cannot be bound. You cannot hide the word of God. You cannot put it in chains. You can't keep it from going out. Paul is saying, hey, I'm in here, but God's word is still gonna go do its work. I can trust that. Aren't you glad that we could trust that God's word will do its work? No matter what the circumstances, we may knock on doors and we may talk with someone and give them a track and they don't seem interested, but we could trust that God's doing his work. We can give someone the word of God And know that God's word will not return void, and that God's word will do its work. Can you trust him? I remember an evangelist who was um, traveling around, and he had gotten saved um, a little bit later in life, and so he saw one of his high school friends and was talking with him. They had dinner beforehand, and during the dinner, the, the preacher told to his friend and was talking to him about Jesus Christ. And his friend began to bring up every objection that he could think of. Well, what about this? And what about this? Well, the evangelist realized that the um, friend was not going to be convinced. So he just went to one verse. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, what about this? Well, I don't know about all this, but let me tell you that he that hath the Son hath life, and that he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, what about this? I don't know about all this, but let me tell you that he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The guy said, is that all you're going to say is he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life? He says, pretty much. And the guy says, well, if that's all you have to say, then our conversation is over. Well, the man went away brokenhearted, but he could tell that there was no more he could do. He just had to trust God's word. Well, he was preaching the next Sunday, And sure enough, his friend came with his wife. And his wife was wearing like five-inch stiletto heels and kind of balancing as she came in. And in the midst of him giving the invitation after the message... Uh, the man took his wife and began to run down the altar. And she's trying to balance running on those heels. And finally he realized she was keeping it back. So he let go and he ran. And he didn't stop at the altar. He went right on the platform where the preacher was at. And he says, uh-oh, I'm in for it now. The guy is going to come and deck me. And he went to the preacher and said, I get it now. He that hath the Son has life. And he that hath not the Son of God had not life. And they bowed behind the pulpit. And they, the man accepted Christ as his Savior. What happened? We can trust that God's word won't be bound, that God is faithful to let his word do its own work. We just have to let God's word do its work. That's why you as Bible believers need to get in the habit of speaking the very words of Scripture, letting God's word do its work. By the way, may I take a pause here? God never promised to bless my preaching. He didn't. But he always promised to bless his word. And so the more of God's word that's in it, the more that we can trust that God will do its own work. We can trust that God's word will do its work. Trust God's word. It cannot be bound. But as we suffer trouble, God puts those things in it knowing that his word is not going to be bound up. You have a bad day at work, let God's word do its work. You're having a hard time where people are opposing you. Let God's word do its work. Let God's... You could trust God that while we're suffering trouble, Christ remains faithful. Christ remains faithful. His word cannot be bound. It will not be bound. God's word doesn't need to be explained. It needs to be released. It needs to be let out. It's almost like having a lion... If you had a lion behind a cage and you had a little teenage punk kid who took a stick and kept poking the lion, you don't have to defend the lion. You open up the cage and the lion will take care of its own business. Don't cage up the word of God. Let it loose and God's word will do its own work. We can trust it that while we're suffering through trouble, be reminded that Christ is faithful. His word will not be bound. Notice, if you don't mind, we see something else. That Christ remains faithful to save the lost. Christ remains faithful to save the lost. Verse number 10. Therefore, I endure all things. So because God's word can't be bound, because we can trust that he is faithful, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they which obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He says, I'm willing to suffer through all things so that more people will get saved. You know, while he's in jail, he had the opportunity to witness to people that he never would have had the chance to witness to before. Having that prison guard chained with him for 24-7, think the apostle Paul couldn't help himself but to witness to him. Hey, let me tell you why I'm in this chains and tell his story. To think about that he's in prison and he had the opportunity. To think about while we were at camp, I had an evangelist friend of mine who was driving on the road and he had a flat tire. Now you could be having a be upset, stupid flat tire. But by the time it was said and done, the tow truck driver had accepted Jesus Christ as a savior. You see, God knows what he's doing. Can you trust him? That I suffer these things because God wants to see people saved. If you realize that the things that you go through in your life is not by accident. But God is opening up opportunities for you to witness to someone you can trust God. He knows what he's doing. You know, the greatest time for people to realize that God is real in your life is when bad things happen. It's easy to smile and say, I'm blessed when everything's going well. It's another thing when everything's falling apart for you to have a good attitude and say, I still trust God. But you don't understand how bad things are. I still trust God. That's when people say, their God is real to them. That's when we get a witness to Him. That's when the witness works. When I suffer through trouble. That God, Christ remains faithful to save the lost. Jesus is not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. He has a plan for all of this. We also see this. That Christ remains faithful to reward us. Christ remains faithful to reward us. Notice with me in verse 11. It is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And verse number 11 is the fifth. Of the five faithful sayings or true sayings that you'll see in the pastoral books. Five times it will say this is a faithful saying. This is a faithful saying. This is a true saying. This is the last of those fifth sayings. There are five sayings that says this is faithful. This is something you could depend upon. This is something you could trust. It is a faithful saying if we be dead with him we shall also live with him. It says that if we die, if we die willingly, I die to my goals, my ambitions, my desires. I give my life to Christ. I die to what I want and I give it to him. It says (coughs) that if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, when it's talking about live with him, it's talking about the rewards that we have in the millennial kingdom. That if I give Christ my life in this world, he'll reward me in the next world. Notice as it goes on, it gives a a contrast in verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. It means if we suffer while we're serving him now, part of the rewards is we're going to reign with him. We're going to be co-heirs with Jesus. He's going to trust us in the millennium. However, if we deny him, he will also deny us. <clears throat> we spend a lot of time talking about the millennial kingdom in a different series. But here is the idea here. That if we live for God now, if you give up your life now, you'll get rewarded for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. However, if you deny God now and say, I want to live my own life. I know what's best for me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Then when you get to the millennial kingdom, you will suffer loss. May I remind you some things about the millennial kingdom? The Bible speaks about in the Old Testament and the New Testament that one of the blessings we get in the millennial kingdom is that those who were soul winners will shine like the brightness of the sun. That when we get our brand new bodies, part of our brand new bodies is that we shine. So, You could see someone who's shining bright and you could someone in the millennial kingdom who was born there that says, hey, look at that guy. That was someone that was faithful to God. Look at him. But then you take someone with a, they have a brand new redeemed body. They're in heaven, but they denied God and they don't shine brightly. And you can look at them and say, hey, look, that was someone who didn't live for God. They're here. But for a thousand years, there's going to be a difference. You could tell someone just by looking at them, if they were faithful to God or not. And that's just one aspect of it. The Bible speaks about lots. About the rewards in the millennial kingdom. And standing for him. But Christ is faithful. He's faithful to reward us. That it will be worth it all. When, if we suffer here. If we deny ourselves. we live for Christ here and now. It will be worth it for a thousand years. In the millennial kingdom. That's a big deal. Because a thousand years is a long time. You know, in this life, the best you could hope for is to get a hundred. And even that, you don't have a good quality of life necessarily. But for a thousand years to rule and reign with Christ. For a thousand years to enjoy the rewards of your faithfulness to God here. He is faithful to reward us. He is faithful. But if we decide to deny him and set him aside and say, I want to do what I want now. It will show up for a thousand years. This is a big deal. But he is faithful. This isn't trying to discourage people. It's trying to encourage Timothy to continue on. Timothy, I know you got some hard things to go. Let me know. Let me remind you that God is going to be faithful to reward you for your labor now. For your suffering now. For the things that you go through. God will reward you. He will protect you. It will be worth it. You're not suffering for no reason. You're suffering for Christ and he's watching. You're suffering for Christ and he'll reward you. That Christ will be faithful to reward him. Isn't that wonderful? That helps Timothy to continue on. That he's not wondering, well, is it really worth it? Does Jesus care? Well, I know he cares. Yes, I know he cares. We could trust in him. Which brings us to one last thing that we see in this passage here. That Christ remains faithful even when we don't trust him. that Christ remains faithful even when we don't trust him. Verse number 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Our faith and labor for God or our lack of labor for God doesn't determine God's faithfulness. Do you know that God is true whether people believe he's true or not? We don't believe in something imaginary. This is not something that we dreamt up. This isn't a mythology. This isn't a crutch that we hang on to. God is real. And it doesn't matter who says that God is not real. Back in the early part of the 1900s, they had a a German philosopher by the name of Nietzsche. And Nietzsche is the one who declared that God was dead. Well, if God is dead, Who did the autopsy? Who pronounced his death? And how come they didn't notify his next of kin? You understand, people could deny God. They can say that he's dead, but it doesn't make God any less real. People can live their lives like God doesn't exist, but it doesn't make God any less real. Someone wrote a book in response. They said that God doesn't believe in atheists. You know, God is faithful whether people believe him or not. And God is faithful even if we mess up or not. Now, this isn't giving us permission to mess up, but it's giving us encouragement that if we do mess up, God is still faithful to us. He still loves us. His faithfulness to us is not dependent on anything. Do you know that God will still be faithful whether you're obedient to him or not? God is still going to be good and God is still going to be right, whether you live right or not. Now, again, it's not giving permission for a true Bible believer. What that does is make us want to live for Him, realizing how great He is, that He is true, and that He will never let us down. They'll never come to a place where God wipes His hands of you as a believer and says, you know what? Isn't that wonderful? As many times as I fail God, and I'm a pastor, let me tell you, I fail God every day. I'm glad that God doesn't wipe his hands of me and say, you know what? I've just had enough of you. He's still faithful. He still abideth faithful. Oh, what a wonderful God. That if I mess up and I have a bad day or bad week or bad month, or we, we, we've all been to the place where we want to be grumpy. And we want to be at the place where we have the pity party. God is still faithful, even when we don't think he's faithful. He is always faithful. His faithfulness doesn't change. That you could go wander off and come back and he's still right there. He never left and he never moved. He is that great of a God. And I'm so thankful that his faithfulness is not dependent upon our obedience. It's not dependent on us. Now, What I'm trying to say is that we have a reactionary. We love him because he first loved us. We serve him not in order to get something from him. We serve him because of what he's already done for us. We're not faithful to him in order to make him faithful. We're faithful to him because he is always faithful. God is always previous. We are responsive to whom he is. And because God is great. We should have a response. Because God is kind, we should have a response. Because God is love, we should have a response. Because God is good, we should have a response. Because he is faithful, it should help us in our life. That we're not trying to be faithful in order to get something from God. We're faithful because he was faithful first. God never changes. And that even if we mess up, it doesn't affect God's faithfulness to us. He is always faithful. Yet he abideth faithful, and then it ends up he cannot deny himself. You know God can't help but to be faithful. He is faithfulness, so he can't help but to be faithful. He's always going to be faithful. There's never a time where you could find God not faithful. So because of this, what what is the purpose of this? Well, the purpose of it is the Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy with the idea, Timothy, continue. There are many people who are ashamed of my chain. There are people who are all over the place that are leaving serving God because of the consequences, because of things that are going on. There's a persecution going through the Roman Empire that people say, and if you're a Christian, you're going to suffer. And people don't want to suffer. They're denying God. But God is faithful. And because God is faithful, we need to be willing to be faithful to him no matter what. Don't give up. Keep going forward. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Keep advancing forward. Keep going through even though it's hard. Keep laboring even though the chores never end. Keep laboring even though the work is hard and the toil is tough and the sun is hot. Keep being faithful because he is faithful.